let me start, folks, by saying that this is the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode number 149. I'm your usual host, Jared. I am joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. You better believe it. And also Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. Everything is coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> uh, we have a fantastic show for you guys tonight. A little light on podcast members, but heavy on exciting things to talk about. And uh, why don't we start? Do you guys want to start with a little update on our good friend Jay? Yeah, let's do it. And just kind of see how things are going there. Um, right, what's happening with him? Well, I, as you know, last week we were kind of tipped off that, uh, that Jay might be residing in the Miami-Dade County area, which, uh, of course, isn't very far from Lucio. So No, not at all. Uh, what I've got here is maybe a, how, sh- how should I describe this? A description of our adventure to rescue Jay. Uh, and we have some choices to make to see whether or not he actually makes it out alive. All right. So I think we, can, I think we can fail this and actually Jay will die, which is funny in its own right. So it is pretty funny. Should I we... mean, those have been the stakes since the beginning, right? No, because it just started with him getting his hair cut. It actually still might be that. I'm not sure. Oh. But uh, would Ooh, you, what an adventure. Shall I, shall I read this to you? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, so you guys, I'll let you guys make the decisions here. Uh, so you, I guess that's me, and the other enemy slime. Whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> finally arrived. Are we all Jared? I? Well, it says you and the other enemy slime editor, so just take it for yourself or whatever. Uh, have finally arrived in Miami, Florida. You stand before Lucio's house. You can tell just from the facade that this is the type of place where the man who lives inside mercilessly beats neighborhood children. You also make an extremely pointed, educated guess that the homeowner likely keeps animals that are direly endangered in order to force his shackled wife to chop them apart with no anesthesia, all for the <laughs> sake of eating the poor creature's browned meat. Uh, this is what I recall, yes. You disregard these ethical troubles for the time being, as there is another endangered creature on the menu, and that menu has one Grand Prix meal named Jay. I wouldn't need Jay. He's too thin. You must decide how you will enter the house. And we have two choices, uh, which is front door or side window. What do you guys want to do? I guess that I have a key to my house. (laughs) Yeah, I, I probably going to the front door into my own house so presumably so then we're gonna go through the door i, I mean yeah okay let's see if this my windows are screened anyway so it's not that easy to get in okay uh you enter through the front door a fetid smell immediately chokes your nostrils there is a drying viscous on the walls and the 1970s linoleum flooring seems to have deep scratch marks <laughs> The room is barren, save for an old country fry still in the pan left rotting on a nearby table and a combat tomahawk embedded in the wall next to the door's entrance. After a while, one of you points out that there is a low breathing sound coming from the corner. Upon closer inspection, you realize the home's occupants have been keeping a manticore, its lion-like head currently wrapped in its (laughs) scorpion tail. The beast sleeps. You have it on very good authority that manticores are light sleepers, and this one guards a door leading deeper into the house. You may try to free the tomahawk, pick up the frying pan, tiptoe past the manticore, or sacrifice an editor as manticore chow. This doesn't sound like my house. <laughs> I think this I don't might know. be... How long, 
<laughs> How long has it been since you've been to the living room, Lucio? That's true. Uh, maybe like an hour. Have you grilled, oh. have you grilled up a manticore before? No, but I would if I had a chance. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> so what do you guys want to uh, do? Try to try to free the tomahawk. Pick up the frying pan. Tiptoe past the manticore. Or sacrifice an editor. I'm going to defer to Lucio because I am a guest in his home. I mean, I, I guess let's start to pick up the tomahawk. Okay. Uh, let's see. Tomahawk. 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 Wait, is it tomahawk one? This is more work than I thought. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. You grab the tomahawk. You tug at it once, twice. The sucker is lodged in good and well, and the manticore is nearly upon you. It pounces, grabbing Lucio in its chompers. You figure this particular manticore must have a vendetta against Lucio, since he probably grilled up a ton of its exotic buddies. As you tug at the tomahawk, the manticore lashes you with its tail and sends you to the ground. A second lash leaves a deep scar over your eye. Michael and or Doug loudly comments on how awful you are at manticore fighting. When they... Easily pull the lodge tomahawk and sling it like a boss straight into the manticore's thick neck. The manticore crumples like paper. It's a shame it ate Lucio moments earlier because he could have made sure the manticore's <laughs> remains went to good use. That's right. Your ridiculous display of trying to pull the tomahawk in a great panic has wasted a lot of valuable time. You oh. need to find Jay and find him quick. You continue on. The noise from the manticore battle seems to have awoken someone deeper in the house. You hear muffled cries and go into the hallway to investigate. There definitely seems to be something coming from either the attic or the basement. However, you have a terrible sense of direction and can't tell. Which there are none in my house. <laughs> I can't tell. Quiet, Lucio. You've been eaten. Whether these cries are coming from above or below you. I mean, you're not a bat. What are you supposed to do? Use echolocation? Uh, Lucio is dead, so I don't feel it's appropriate to allow him to, uh, to, to choose. Um, what, uh, what would you like to do, Michael? The attic or the basement? Uh, what do you think? I, I think an attic sounds like a, a good place to look. Then we're agreed. We're going to the basement. All right. To the basement we go. Base. Okay. Uh, we are... You are careful as you descend into the basement. You don't want any more surprises like the manticore. You hear what sounds like pained cries coming from a far corner of the basement. You carefully navigate your way past old Newsweek subscriptions and encrusted sex dolls, ducking under some hanging moss and work your way past the boiler. As you jump over an oddly placed dryer, your hip crashes into the ceramic of an old sink. You rub the bruise on your side and curse that your quest for Jay has been so harrowing. As you continue to explore, you hear something squelched beneath your feet. You look down. At first, you believe you've stepped in gristle and blood, but upon further inspection, you realize this is simply chicken cacciatore. Wait, the chicken, the sink. You must be close to Jay. You quietly call, uh -huh. out, <laughs> you quietly call out Jay. There's no response. You say a little louder, Jay, sweet angel. You hear a whimper. Is the source from someone familiar to you? Or is it simply someone else meant to lure you into a trap? If only you had a light source. So we may search for a light, or we can demand Doug hand over the lighter he uses for crack. <laughs> I'm not going to get between Doug and his crack lighter. I think we should probably search for a light. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's supposed to be the right goal. Not wanting to put up with Doug's crack addiction right now, you decide you had better look for another light source. <laughs> 
You start feeling around the side of the wall, the side of the ceiling, the side of the floor, all the sides. You search for the light. Your search for the light appears to be fruitless. You are prepared to curse up a storm when Michael calls you in the dark. Hey, over here, Michael says, I found a torch. Michael flicks on a large old-timey flashlight. You know the ones with the big metal handles? You look at the light Michael now the holds in his hands. A torch, you think aloud. Who the hell calls it a torch? I thought you were a goddamned American. Hey, fuck you, Michael responds. You remind Michael <laughs> that there is no place for his foul and insubordinate river people language here in Trump's America. You go to snatch the flashlight from him. Michael pulls it back in anger, demanding that you deliver him a 500-word apology on Hallmark's dictionary. <laughs> you decide you no longer have time for the shit, and you tackle Michael. The scuffle brings you both to the ground, rolling around, so this isn't like the play fights where you and Michael used to frolic and gaily scuffle. This is for the whole enchilada. You grab an old stack of Playboys and prepare to smash Michael's nose with it when you realize the flashlight has eliminated something in the corner. You decide to investigate, but tell Michael to watch his back before you do. It appears to be old bone fragments, but not chicken bone, people bone. With a shaky hand, Michael guides the light to the source of the bone. Holy shit, a skeleton! Your PhD <laughs> in forensics allows you to quickly put together that this skeleton belongs to a woman roughly in her late 30s or early 40s or whatever, with brunette strands of hair still on her head and wearing an ugly green jacket. Further forensic analysis reveals that this woman is probably at least partly responsible for Assassin's Creed 2, wanted to design a game based on an old person getting to the bus stop, and once threatened to sue Lotax over a naughty comic that wasn't drawn by him. Holy shit, it's Jade Raymond. You think that this is very odd that there is a Jade Raymond skeleton located beneath Lucio's house. What a twist. She's not an exotic animal, and so it is unlikely Lucio was interested in grilling her for Friday dinner. No, this isn't the work of a humble but noble video game journalist. This is instead the work of a dastardly video game developer. Mumbles from the far corner remind you that, oh yeah, you were here to save a hostage. Michael guides his light towards the source of the noise. Golden locks of curly hair decorate the floor. As Michael scans upwards, you see a familiar striped suit and tie. It's Jay. He's unconscious, but he doesn't seem to be rolling in his own mess or anything. In fact, aside from the bald head, you think he looks extraordinarily handsome, like someone who the ladies couldn't keep their hands off of once he woke up. Or hell, even if he were to sleep as a beautiful, sweet angel forever. You and Michael work to quickly hoist Jay up and get the hell out of this nightmarish, nightmarish Miami house. It's over, you say aloud. It's finally over. Not so fast, enemy slime. A menacing voice mocks you with a slow clap. A figure steps forward. It's time you finally saw the face of your true nemesis. Your nemesis slowly steps into the torchlight of your flashlight, and you can't believe your eyes or your ears or your mind. And it says to be concluded. Damn. That's it. It's heavy stuff. That's it. We did it. I don't think we got to... I think that's like the good ending too, or, or like the right ending. This can go very wrong sure. in a lot of other ways. It looks like just reading through it. Oh yeah, let's be, let's hear about the one. Do you? Do I you mean, it went to, pretty badly you, for Lucio. Should we do the opposite and just see what happens? Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess we uh, can start at the beginning here. Uh, door or window? Do you want to stick with door? Window. Window. I guess. Yeah, let's just, go through the window. Just do everything different. Okay. Uh, you break in a window using a coconut you found outside. Almost instantly, something foul hits your nostrils. 
You heave and try to suck in some of the humid Miami air, but that smells like ass too. You quickly yeah. hurry the other editors in, and Lucio <laughs> places a shaky foot through the frame. You watch as he climbs into the shadowy darkness of his own home. Now that you're putting... <laughs> Now that you're putting serious thought into it, you wonder why you didn't just ask Lucio for the keys to his front door. He sticks two thumbs up, giving you the all clear. You begin to follow after him when a beast of gold fur and reptilian scales and ivory teeth pounces Lucio, taking him down in a fine <laughs> mist of blood. <laughs> you see a scorpion tail flicker through the window and hear what sounds like the grunts of a lion over Lucio's horrific screams. A manticore is eviscerating your top CRPG writer and there's nothing you can do about it. The eater has become the eaten. <laughs> the manticore still looks hungry, putting its forepaws up on the window and licking its still bloody maw. You hurl the coconut at the creature's head. It goes down with what's probably a concussion or something. You climb in through the window, trying to avoid getting any Lucio on your shoe. With the manticore dispatched, there's nothing left between you and exploring the rest of the house. Uh, so we have... Ooh, we have some new choices. We have explore the den, explore the master bedroom, explore the basement, or explore the attic. Hmm. What could be in his den? You want to go to the den? Yeah. I didn't even know I had a den. You do now. So now uh, everyone's going to be surprised. Let's see. You decide to try the den first. The ultimate in a pimp game room with pool table and like foosball and a mad planet arcade cabinet. And what really draws you is the games. You eagerly dig through Lucio's gaming library, hungry to see what the man has. You start with the PlayStation games. <laughs> Whatever. You start with the <laughs> PlayStation games. Final Fantasy 13 2. Well, you expected that one. Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Huh. You weren't expecting that. And you thought he hadn't played it. The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. Wait, what? Killzone Shadowfall. WWE 2K15. <laughs> Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark. What the hell is this crap? Maybe he just had a bad run of PlayStation titles. Surely his gaming museum was better. You went for the classic games next. Daikatana, Link, the Faces of Evil, <laughs> Bubsy 3D, Aquaman, Battle for Atlantis. Leisure is that an extra, na- extra game? Oh, a- Aquaman, Battle for Atlantis is really amazing. I'll have to show you that later. Uh, All right. Leisure Suit Larry, Box Office Bust, Superman 64, E.T.? It was a lie. It was all an elaborate lie. You thought Lucio had perhaps the most eclectic RPG tastes you've ever heard of, but you found nary an RPG in his collection, let alone a good video game. Did he just read a hipster list of RPGs and recite that? To what standards had he held up games such as Tyranny and Masquerada? You should really make sure that Jay is the one reviewing those titles instead. <laughs> I feel this. Uh, th- there's so much in uh hidden beneath this uh, this part of the, of the story. You, you go to Papa's squat to recover from this hellish blow. Sitting back in Lucio's old busted lawn chair that doubles as his desk chair, you accidentally knock over a pirate Lego chess piece from his pirate Lego chessboard, which is something you heard Jay wanted for Christmas. <laughs> Upon doing so, <laughs> you, you hear a click and the rumbling of gears. You watch as the bookcase begins to roll away, all the books painted on, Great, that was a lie too. Behind the bookcase is a digital whiteboard. You go to investigate further. The digital whiteboard reads, Game Ideas. You scroll through a few. Man stuck in can of beans navigates way out without can opener. Soldier finds out she was born in her own womb. Adopt a cat. Adopt a cat. Only to find out the cat was your brother in arms and the only way to save him from cancer is by clearing a Sudoku puzzle. 
Are these supposed to be video game ideas? You find a set of notes that indicate the mad mind creating these games is trying to draw inspiration from this library of other terrible games. Who could be so insane as to try something like that? You begin going over the list of suspects in your head, but you begin to think perhaps this game's collection doesn't even belong to Lucio after all, that there might be another threat here. Even so, you had better give those RPG reviews to Jay just to make extra sure. There wasn't much in the way of revelation here, though you notice a little blinking game icon on the corner of the screen. You could try playing it, but you really think you should continue your quest for Jay. Uh, we have an option to play the game, explore the master bedroom, the basement, or the attic. What do you think? Uh, well, Lucio's dead, so I'm deferring to yeah, you. Lucio's dead again. It seems like yeah. I think Lucio. <laughs> I die no matter what. This is like a telltale. Yeah, game. I think you might be done no matter what. <laughs> Should we? Uh, uh, if I survive, I'm sure it will be like. You only get to play a game just, once. I mean, I feel like the game's gonna kill us. You think so? Do you think that's a bad ending? I feel like it probably is. Okay, so you heard the one about the can of beans. What should we do instead? Let's go check out the bedroom. Uh, the master bedroom. See what Lucio gets up to in his sleeping time. Okay, let me find master. You head into the master bedroom. There's a dirty mattress on the floor, a sex <laughs> swing in the corner, and on the nightstand is a pack of condoms, a Barbie doll, and a hell of a lot of lube. While these are pretty cool revelations, they don't really help you find Jay. You hear muffled cries. They are definitely coming from the basement or the attic, and given your recent discovery, you think you had better hurry. Uh, basement or attic? I guess we should try the attic. All right. Wait, maybe we should go to the basement. I know how that ends. <laughs> Sounds safer. <laughs> uh, you decide to venture into the attic, and like your poppy always told you, winners only ever go up. You pull down that string thing that attaches to attic doors that reveal the stairs that go into the attic. Yeah, you do that. Then you walk into the attic. A stringent, musty smell assaults your nostrils and causes you to tear up. The dim, fading light of Miami, a dusk shines through a round window. The attic seems fairly typical. A couple of old dresses, some Victorian paintings, old Russian children's toys. You know, attic things. You're mm -hmm. ready to turn around when you hear sobbing coming from a far corner. Michael and Doug exchange nervous glances, and I guess Lucio too, if he survived the manticore encounter. If not, he's still <laughs> totally dead. You start forward. Michael whispers at you and shakes his head no. Sometimes Michael gets these feelings, his women's intuition, and you know you ought to obey them. But you've come this far, and you're not ready to leave yet. You take another step forward. The sobs get a bit louder. Did Jay's crying always sound this girly? Probably. You take another step forward. The sobbing sounds a bit more throaty. Did Jay badly need a lozenge? The sobbing starts to sound like a low growl. Did, did Jay always sound this beastly? Probably. You take one more step forward. A hateful red glow starts to flicker around the corner. The crying now has a deep echo to it. Did Jay always sound this demonic? Probably. You take one more step forward, turning your head back towards your friends. Michael gives you one more slow shake of the head. Maybe you should back out. Uh, we have be a total coward and leave or forge ahead like a big brave man. I, feel, I think this is probably my choice. Yeah, you know what yeah. I think. Apparently, uh, I I think I'm I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna yeah. forge ahead like a big brave man. Be a tough boy. You scoff at danger and demonic glows. You charge into that corner like it's no one's business. Then something jumps out at you. You begin to think it's one of the fantastic beasts, and you now know where to find them. But upon closer inspection, you determine it to be a man, or at least he once was. 
This creature's mind seems to have devolved. His flesh rotted, irises blood red, its hand and feet mutated and twisted and nasty. He gnashes at you, but this rotten beast-like man seems somehow familiar. Did you have him on as a podcast guest? (laughs) Then you realize this creature is none other than Cliffy B. Maybe the new Gears of War drove him to become this creature, or perhaps there is something more dastardly at work. You begin to think Lucio isn't behind this at all. There's no way he could snatch Cliffy B. The man is protected by his own chainsaw gun. You really wish you could ask Lucio what was going on. Too bad he's dead. Or if he's not dead, then he ain't no snitch. (laughs) (laughs) What what episode did we have Cliffy B on? We we didn't. (laughs) Luckily, there's nothing Cliffy B can do to hurt you or anyone else anymore. He's fastened to the wall by a thick rope, and whoever tied it paid good attention to their Boy Scout training. You wonder if you should put Cliffy B out of his and everyone else's misery, or simply leave him be. You could also let him go. Letting Cliffy B roam the roads and cities of Florida unchecked, it's not like anyone would notice. That's true. What would you like to do? We can kill Cliffy B, free let Cliffy him go. B, or leave Cliffy B be. <laughs> leave Cliffy let B. Let him go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You want Set him free. So leave him be? I want to set him free. Well, I think that's Let's honor I'm a dead man's wishes. Oh, wait. Free Cliffy B. Okay. Uh, you decide to free Cliffy B. It's Florida. No one is going to notice anyway. You go to untie the knot to his rope. He snips at you. Easy, buddy. Easy now. Your soothing voice calms Cliffy B. You begin to untie him. <laughs> this is a really bad idea, Michael hisses. Doug doesn't particularly seem to care as he lights into a crack pipe. You finish undoing Cliffy B's bonds and he gnashes at you one last time. You and Cliffy B exchange a glance, and something deep inside him causes him to realize you've given him the greatest gift of all, freedom. Cliffy B jumps through the attic window and quickly disappears into the wild of the Florida Everglades. In the future, you'll hear several reports of a Florida man. Florida man causes a pileup off the (laughs) I-95. Florida man kills wife's pimp and double homicide suicide. Florida man eats child on school bus. Florida man shoots self in dick, robbing 7-Eleven. Florida man drowns Buddy over claim he stole his alligator jerky. You could never be too sure that this Florida man is the same as your Cliffy B man, but deep down, you like to hope. With Cliffy B, hey, out now of that the he's way, uh, now that he's gone, who's Cliffy B? He made gears. He's the uh, yeah. Oh, well, good for him. I'm glad he's free. He's like gaming's greatest playboy. With uh, sure, okay. With, with Cliffy yeah. B out of the way, you have a bit more time to explore the attic. You find an old stack of papers. At first, they appear to be insignificant, but you slowly determine they're design documents, storyboards, scripts for none other than Goddess Wars. You begin to understand who or what we've been dealing with all this time. You dig further, only to find more design documents for, wait, Death Stranding? What the hell is going on here? You're beginning to get a clearer picture, but still no J. You still have time to explore the basement. Do you, I guess should we go back to the basement? I mean, we already know what happens there, right? So. I don't remember if there were any other choices there or not. Uh, you could, you could uh, take Doug's, Doug's crack pipe. Yeah. Let's see. Let's let's just check the basement again. So you just. What do you think, Doug? Should we take your crack pipe? I wouldn't. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what happens if you take Doug's crack pipe. Uh, Over your dead body. You demand that Doug hand over the lighter he keeps on him for crack. Doug already has the pipe in his mouth. That's He's, right. He sneers at you and tells you that you are not going to get his goddamn crack lighter under any circumstances. You point out at this potentially to save Jay's life, and while Doug seems briefly touched by this, crack is more important than anything on the planet, even water. 
You offer an exchange to Doug. He can have the loot from this quest, including his gigantic and complete collection of front magazines and his meat locker full of tiger meat. Still, Doug refuses to listen to reason. You realize what you have to do. You're going to have to kill Doug. <laughs> How do you do it? We have the front magazine, Sonic Boom, or the crack pipe. Oh, it's the Sonic Boom. You would say Sonic Boom? Okay. Why not? All right, Sonic Boom. Can anybody survive Sonic Boom? Thinking on your feet, you pull out your new 3DS XL or whatever the hell it's called from your pocket. Turn it on and hurl it at Doug. Think fast, you yell. Doug catches it with one hand. He grins. You're going to have to do better than that, he mocks. Doug grips the 3DS in both hands, ready to tear it apart when he hears a familiar Sega and a ding of a golden ring. Realization and familiarity hit Doug's face. It's everyone's friend, Sonic the Hedgehog. He pushes start, his first and final mistake. You watch as Doug is lulled by the familiar bliss of Sonic and all his buds. Heh, <laughs> chilly dogs. He grins as the adventure gets underway. Then Doug's smile slowly fades, a look of pain on his face. He tries to turn the 3DS off in disgust, but it won't turn off. He tries to throw it to the ground, but his hands are glued to the handheld device. No, he yells. He tries to look away, but it's too late. Blinding tendrils of light emerge from the 3DS, wrapping around Doug's head. His eyeballs melt from his skull. His screams quickly drown out as his tongue turns to dust. His face melts away, leaving only a skull, and that too blows away to dust. All that's left of the gruesome scene is a 3DS. Gotta go fast, you hear vibrate from the 3DS. You kick the thing closed with your foot, then bury it under a stack of front magazines. You dig around in Doug's ashes to retrieve his lighter. You use the lighter to check the corner, and actually I think this is... Yeah, this leads to the same ending, so... Our nemesis appears. Well, there you go. I'm kind of uh, mad that it sounds in a cliffhanger. Right? I think it's Molyneux Kojima. Molyneux. It's Molyneux. Molyneux Jima? It's Molyneux. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Shit was I guess we'll have to wait and find out. A, a, a solid that realizes that she was born in her own womb. <laughs> no, that sounds like Kojima. Actually, you're right. But the... the the person that has to get out of the thing without a kind of opener, that sounds like more than you. But he also yeah. has, he has goddess notes and, and uh, the other one, Dead Stranding. Dead Stranded. Death uh, Landing. Dead, Death Landing. Ooh, that game sounds fun. That sounds pretty good. Let's make that. And that was a long thing. Should we talk about games? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what Front Magazine is, but uh, this looks like a pretty good publication. I don't know what Front Magazine is either. What's it about? Uh, it just looks like a sleazier playboy. All the chicks have tattoos. Nice. Yeah. Lucio, do you want to tell us about Tyranny? Uh, fuck, we're talking about video games? <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is an appropriate What a segue. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's a naked girl magazine. I mean, what, you want to talk about Dishonored instead? Uh, no, we've got to go with Tyranny. So... I, I just talked a lot. You you tell me about Tyranny. I'm going to sit back and enjoy. <laughs> Totally it's a, a computer RPG made by Obsidian that was announced like two months ago, and now it's out somehow. Uh, it, the publisher is Paradox Entertainment, which I think is important because they've done a weird like thing where they want you to sign up, kind of like a mobile uh, scheme where if you sign up for an account for Paradox and you log in every day, then they uh, they give you like free stuff for the game. But I was too lazy to do it, so 
You know, fuck, I'm not giving them my information. This is like uh, Telltale does that on all their games now. They want you to sign into your Telltale account. Yeah, no, fuck it. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't want that. Exactly, but they, they did it anyway, and people are super paranoid that it's going to mean um, that they're going to have microtransactions, which would be really stupid because this game costs 45 bucks. Yeah. Um. So... Um. But yeah, there's that. Um, I like it, but there's stuff about it that bothers me. So, so let's start with that first. Yeah, tell me a little. Tell me a little bit more about just like what it is. So does it play like Pillars of Eternity, or is it? Well, that's the first or? that bothers me. It's the exact same like UI and everything from Pillars. It has the same systems except for the magic system, which I'll get into in a in a bit. Uh, but it's essentially the same t- this the same engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it kind of feels um, lazy a bit. Not necessarily lazy, but it feels more like an expansion of pillars. Like it's not the mm. same world or anything. But uh, you know how like Far Cry, uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon feels. You know, it's a completely different game and completely different world. But it wasn't. It wasn't 3. big enough to like live on its own. Right, it was, you know, you could tell it was, you know, the same engine and everything else. It just kind of, like, changed the assets and made something for fun, mm-hmm. which is fine. Uh, this feels kind of like that, too. And with the speed that they made it, because, like, two months ago, nobody knew what the fuck this was, right? Like, this this just came out of nowhere. Um, I think that might have been the case where, like, my theory is that Paradox probably approached them and they were like, well, we have we already made the engine, so now we just need to make assets and write new things. But it, it just looks... Like, if you, you, you would have told me it was, like, a new expansion for Pillars, and I would have believed you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that kind of bugs me is that... I mean, there's a lot of combat in the game, which is fine. There's a lot of combat in Pillars too, but so far I've only fought, like, other dudes. Uh, I haven't like had a cool encounter with like any monsters or even animals. It's all been just other people. Oh, okay. Is that, uh, is that and... just because of like the writing in the world, or have you like seen other creatures and you just don't get to fight them? No, I haven't seen other creatures. It's just like the writing in the world. I don't know if there's other creatures. Right, right. Um, which it kind of needs, not because there's anything wrong with fighting like human creatures, but you know, you kind of want from from this kind of RPG. You need variety, right? You can't just have, uh, you know, basically human opponents. You know, you have to have like, oh, you know, you're fighting a big monster, or you know, a bunch of small little monsters, or a huge, you know, dragon or whatever. Yeah, um, Pillars of Eternity didn't have bad combat, but I don't recall it being particularly exciting, and I think. By virtue of like fighting, say a dragon or some other kind of giant monster, that was that did a lot more to spice it up than say, you know, some sort of combat mechanic. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, I, I came from Masquerada. You know, there was the last CRPG I played where I was fighting like a monster made of furniture. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it kind of feels scandalous. It's would you un- would you prefer that in Tyranny if like an IKEA monster showed up and <laughs> I mean it would be it's just some variety in the combat. Um 
I mean, I understand why there is another like monster stuff because basically the story is all the so the story of the game is that there's like this immortal like god king dictator uh, called Kairos, and he. Um, you know, he's been for the past 400 years basically conquering the entire world. Uh, and now he gets to the last place that, that has, um, like, stood against him, that place called the Tears. And he, um, he, he, he doesn't really enlist you. The, um, like, his second in command enlists you. And you become kind of like his eyes. Um... So, essentially, the game is about these two competing armies. There's the uh, the Dishonored, who are these, like, super, by the book, um, like, super efficient fighting force that, is, you know, never loses, but they're super picky, so they have low numbers and, um, you know, they're super snobby and stuff. And then there's the Sacred Choir, who are these crazy... Um, Berserkers, who what they do is every time that they conquer a new village, they just add, you know, whoever is there, and they force them to fight for them. And you know, most of them don't survive the first fight. They have no training, they have no weapons. Uh, but you know, the really good ones survive and become powerful and can you know kind of climb through the ranks. Um, and it's you know all by force alone. So you're. Your job, at least at the beginning of the game, or where I am now, is kind of like controlling these two factions that are competing for the favor of Kairos, mm-hmm. while at the same time, um, you have to make them work together. And, you know, what happens is you you start the game, and then there's this like really like short part where you're making choices. Uh, about the invasion. So the invasion takes place within in, in three years. So the first year, you know, you pick an assignment and you are like, well, you know, uh, okay, so you're assigned to this place and you do this and that gives you fame and then you go to the next one and based on the choices that you make, you gain different powers and you also um, become, like, you get, like, different type of reputation for the game. Um, so, you know, one of the, one of the choices is, you know, oh, you have to conquer the city, um, you know, do you show favor to the Dishonored's, uh, you know, super uh, disciplined plan? Do you go with a crazy uh, sacred choir plan or do you, like, force them to work together? So depending on you choose, you get different um, results. Um, and they're not always obvious, like, um, you know, so I chose to... Um, to make them work together, and both of them got pissed at me, but I also got a cool power, so it was, you know, it was alright. Is this kind of like at the beginning of Pillars of Eternity, where they ask you questions about your background, and that determines how you'll be able to interact with people throughout the game? Yeah, it's a lot like that. Okay, okay. But it's more involved, because you also have, like, it changes kind of the world and the story a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the game has a lot of reactivity. Like it keeps, like the shit I just and me keeps coming up, and some sometimes they they affect like how people react to me. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, um, so Kairos apparently gives these uh, super powerful spells to these chosen people to use in specific situations. 
that are called edicts. So one of the choices that I made got me to read an edict. And um, then the when the game starts, you are given a second edict. And what that edict does is that you they have eight days to take over, like to quash this rebellion, or everybody in that valley will die. Um, so, you know, people kept telling me, oh, well, you know, when you gave the first edict, uh, you know, you gave everybody time to prepare, but you can just hear and you just read the second edict and, you know, now everybody has to work together and, you know, why didn't you just warn us? And so, like, those choices that I made at the beginning of the game keep coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, That's kind of And cool. it's really cool. It's really it cool. It is, yeah. Um, so, by the way that this game works, so, like, you, you read the edict, uh, you know, the, the two warring factions... Um, realize that they need to work together or die. Um, and basically they are like, well, you know, we need help doing this. You know, they just give you quests, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Since you are a super powerful uh, envoy of the second in command of, of the, you know, Sorn, basically, um, <laughs> you kind of have a lot of leeway to, to do stuff like, you know how in a lot of RPGs, you kind of get away with more than the character should be able to get away just because otherwise it wouldn't be a game. Here it feels a lot more organic, right? So you go there and you tell somebody, you know, do this and they have to do it because, you know, you are hot shot, basically. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but by virtue of that plot, it means that you are either, you're basically just fighting these rebels um, most of the time. Unless you're actually forcing the stu- stupid um, like factions to work with each other. In which case, you might be fighting them just to show them that you can beat them up. <laughs> uh, that simple. Hmm. But that, that does bring the combat kind of... Makes it more repetitive. Because now you're fighting, you know... Oh, it's another group of, you know, three melee guys, a mage, and two range guys. You know? Mm. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. I see. I'm actually like, I'm kind of a, opposed, not opposed, but like, I, I actually am more fond of the idea of just only fighting humanoid opponents in like kind of a fantasy era RPG. Um, I because it makes me think no. of something like like Game of Thrones, right? Where you're not like mm. you're not worried about like bog creatures, but simultaneously, like they have to have like people who stand out or are interesting. Uh, for you to to fight otherwise it, it, it i get i totally get what you're saying like i get what your uh complaint is about how like there's no fantastic creature or there's no real metric of like you improving like you don't go from killing right. like little uh slimes or rats or something like that to killing like these big drakes or you know anything along those mm-hmm. lines you know normally i'd be inclined to agree with you jared because i I personally prefer my fantasy to be a little more grounded. Yeah, kind of like Game of Thrones, but like I said, just the the combat in Pillars of Eternity, which I'm assuming probably doesn't doesn't deviate too much from this, right, Lucy? It's essentially the same thing. Essentially the same. Yeah. It's it's fun, but it's just kind of a it's a mechanic that moves the story along. It's kind of unremarkable. So fighting a bunch of dudes seems like just become boring and tedious pretty quickly pretty much 
Yeah, I could see that for sure. And I guess what I would want is like, not not bosses, but like guys that are just peppered through the the game who stand out in some way. Memorable know? enemies. Memorable characters or, to kill. Yeah. Something like that. I I don't know. I don't know how you please me. But I mean, the problem with the combat in in Pillars of Eternity and and this game is that it's it's essentially designed to be a throwback to the old like uh, Blue Skies of RPGs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly designed for like this very, you know, cool engagements against like enormous dragons and stuff like that. It's, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. really where it shines when you're fighting. You're be fighting you know, a dragon that'll take 15 minutes to fight and will mm-hmm. require all your spells and tactics. Right, exactly. Rather than a guy who you'll, you know, stab three times and he'll die. So exactly. as of this moment, with no changes on the horizon, how does this stand up against something like Pillars? Uh, I think Pillars is better, but there's a lot to like in this game. Um, it seems to be a lot more reactivity. Yeah, that was what I was going to um, ask, is do you think the choices are like heavier? They seem to be, yeah. Like, stuff keep, like they keep bringing up old shit all the time. And it's it stopped like some stuff from happening. Like There was this one mission where I needed to convince one guy to let uh, this like prisoner go that had a lot of information. And... Um, you know, I was trying to negotiate with him. And this is one of those games where you can really talk your way out of a lot of things, by the way. I, I actually um, saw, and this was something that I, I thought was promising, I had read somewhere that uh, you actually get uh, experience points in um, uh, speech trees like you would in combat in some situations. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's great. Like, that's something and it's that one of those, I always am happy to hear. It's one of those speech trees where... Like, it's not like, you know, Fallout New Vegas or Fallout 3 where you would, like, go, like, up to somebody and he would say, oh, you have Intelligence 15, choose this option, and it will, you know, let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can kind of organically, if you choose the right choices. Um, You're actually talking you to someone, not, right, just, exactly. not just picking, okay. like, the, like, the skill. That's another, that's a pretty huge, like, thing for me. That makes a big difference. Um, so... You know, there's a lot of reactivity, and it's super political. Like, this is basically like the state of America 2016, the game, because there's these two factions that keep talking shit about each other and fighting each other, and if they don't do what they need to do in eight days, they're going to die. <laughs> but they're more concerned with, like, you know, they're all, like, pretty bullshit. I don't see so, any comments there. <laughs> <laughs> You're, so uh... I... Uh, um, go keep going. So, like I said, there's a mission where you needed to to like interrogate this really important prisoner, and so I go to this guy and I try to talk him into like letting me talk to him, and he goes like, no, because you know in this mission you say this to this guy, and you know now you're proving that you're not a friend of ours, uh, and so I had to like basically, you know, he's like in order for him to to be free, he needs to you know, win a trial by combat. So I had to basically be his champion so that he could get out and talk to me. I think um, this, so, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this actually sounds like something I'd prefer to Pillars. Like The level of reactivity sounds like it could be enough to sway me. I'll, I'll know more when I play a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it could, it could all just be an illusion, right? Like the Telltale games. Right. Um, well, you know, with a lot of that stuff... I don't need 
I don't need the game to end and then tell me, like in a Fallout style, what all of my choices did. Sometimes just doing it in the moment is good enough. But well, and more more so than that, like I just I just need it to hide it well enough. Like if I if I get that. if I get tricked, I'm totally fine with that. We've talked about it a million times, but like Shadow of Mordor is just a big trick, right? Like it's just fooling right. you into thinking that it's actually doing something really complex and really cool. And I'm 100% fine with that. I even know that I'm being tricked most of the time. <laughs> but, the, but the point is that in that moment while I'm playing, I am being tricked. And the thing about Telltale games is that they're, they've gotten to this point where like once you know a little bit about how they work, you always know like, oh, of course, this would happen You know, if I chose the mm-hmm. other option. Like, um, it, it's just less magical. Tell, telltale, a big, a big part of it is that they can't wait more than like a couple seconds to show you the exact same resolution to your choice. Right. Um, yeah. The, the least they could do is like go a couple episodes and then be like, haha, the same thing happened. But in, instead it's just like right then and there, he's like, do you want this marshmallow or do you want this graham cracker? And you're like, I want the graham cracker. And he's like, well, you get the marshmallow. <laughs> Oops, I dropped the graham cracker. <laughs> Oops, I dropped it. While I was <laughs> trying to give it to you. Uh, so this is one of those games where putting skill points into your um, your social skills is actually worth the um, the investment. Yep. Good. Um, That's my kind of game. That's what I want. I want a game. Well, I'm really enjoying it so far. Like you know, I know I talked about a lot of shit about it and the combat being repetitive, but I am enjoying it quite a bit. I think, um, I think I've said this before, but like, I just want a game where my only job is to talk people into killing themselves. Well, you're not too far. Um, actually, you can achieve that without doing anything, because like, that's kind of <laughs> what, the, what the plot of the game is. There we go. This is my game. It's like a reverse suicide hotline. Kind of, yeah. Everything's you... going good. Well, let me tell you about some stuff there, buddy. <laughs> I saw that there is actually an achievement for not letting, like, for, for not completing the, um, basically t- letting the time run out. Oh, and getting, so, like, the bad ending? Yeah, there's an achievement for that. I I like that, too. Like, this, this actually sounds really pretty cool. This is something that wasn't on my radar at all. I, I'm so, interested now. the game talks about you being a villain. So, I was going to ask, are you... Like how how set are you in being the evil guy? I mean, you don't really have a choice. You're mm-hmm. you're like an agent of. Essentially, Sauron. He's Sauron. Like okay. he he's he's so whatever looks like Sauron. Um. You know, you're bringing the last remaining resistance in the world under this guy's heel. So so far, you can. Uh, you know. It's not. Like, I'm not going around murdering everybody for no reason. Mm-hmm. I'm actually being pretty pragmatic, but being pragmatic has actually caused me a lot of problems sometimes in terms of, like, my repetition with the factions. Mm-hmm. Because I could tell, like, somebody... So, like, you know, you conquer a village, and they're like, oh, well, should we put them over to the sword and, ra- and raise the village? And I'm like, no, we should use it for, you know, like a waypoint so that we can, you know, have more food and stuff. And they're like, ah, oh, I wanted to get everybody. It's like, but wait, does the game not make a scary noise and then tell you that you did an evil thing? No, but, you know. Well, how will you know that's not the right thing to do? Boo. <laughs> well, it's, 
it doesn't have a morality um, the morality system. Right, it, right. It has a reputation system. Right, which which um, is good. That's a good thing. Interestingly enough, you can gain reputation with your enemies, which I'm pretty sure. Like I know how these games go, so I'm pretty sure at some point they're going to like come into my like side or something. Mm, okay. But you can win reputation with them. So like I let one of them go. Basically, it was either like do this long protracted battle where like I would lose troops and they would lose troops and um, you know a lot of people would die, or I could just let them go and um, you know just game basically win the over this like strategic point with no combat. So I let him go because you know like I said I'm playing a pragmatic. Uh, you know everybody was like so disappointed I didn't get to murder everybody. <laughs> Oh, my, my troops were super disappointed in it to murder everybody. Um, well, I know how that is. But, you know, it, the game doesn't go, like, if we chose to kill them, the game won't say, oh, you chose to kill them. It would just, uh, you know, the, probably your people would have been happy with it and the opposing, like, the enemy faction would be against you even more. Okay. So, you know, in that way, it's not, you know, it, it doesn't really moralize anything. Uh, but it's not like you're not a twirling mustache guy. It's more about like you know, like you I don't said, have it, like a rape skill or. <laughs> um, like I say, you know, the game is right. The game is really like ah yes, I'm going to kill her boyfriend and force her to marry me. Yeah, <laughs> after I take all this orphan's money, uh, you know, it's not you know you're not like wallowing in your own like evil. Um, it's more about like making sure these two dumbass factions work with each other before everybody dies. <laughs> See, how is the in-game lore? Uh, it's it's an Obsidian game, so yeah, it's a lot of it. And how's, uh, how's the pages quality? and pages? I've, I've got to say, Pillars of Eternity kind of turned me off with its lore. I did not like it very much. I mean, I still like the game very or quite a bit, but right. uh, I don't know. They did. It actually feels kind of light compared to Pillars. Okay, so that might that might be a good thing. It's not as deep. I mean, there's still a ton of it. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's more localized. Like in in Pillars, you like got shit about places that you were never gonna visit in that game. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's definitely not as as thick with lore. I wonder who wrote. Tyranny, let me check something. Tyranny. Was, I have it up right now. It was Matt McLean. Yeah, it was, you, you, I can tell it's not Chris Avalon because Chris Avalon usually has a lot thicker lore in his stuff. Mm, I don't necessarily <laughs> mind that, though. I don't, I don't mind something that's... No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just like... It I wasn't know. the density even. It was just... I don't know. I've, I've played in some pretty bad uh, homebrew Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell Pillars was somebody's campaign world that they just changed names so they wouldn't right. get you. I get what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't do it for me. But, you know, I'm sure it did it for someone else. And I still enjoyed it quite a bit. So, if, if you want to... I don't know how, like, deep you are into Dra- Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. This is closer to Dark Sun than it is to, like, Greyhawk. <laughs> Which yeah, okay, is, okay. Would say you know Pillars was so if Pillars was Greyhawk, this is you know Darkson. That might be kind of fun. It's not quite as dire as Darkson, but yeah. All right. Um, 
Well, Interesting. Do you so? Uh, what what is your thought? Do you recommend Tyranny so far, or do you think like this is a wait for it to drop down into like the twenty mid twenty range, something like that? So far, I'm enjoying it quite a bit, so I would recommend it. But I mean, I'm only like five hours in, mm-hmm. so I have a lot to to go. Okay, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, good deal, good deal. Well, uh, that's out now. It's on Steam, so uh, if you want to, you can check it out. I think I think actually I might wind up doing that. Um, so finally, I can go back to playing uh, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see how it ends, right? Yep. I, we'll I, I think you'll get a girl naked but won't be able to seal the deal. That seems to be... That seems to be how it works. seems to be usually how it goes. Do you guys want to talk about Dishonored? Let's talk about Dishonored. Question. Did either of you play the original? You did, didn't you? Yes. Yep. What about you, Michael? I'm guessing you didn't. No, I played about half of it before I decided I didn't like it very much. What uh, what turned you off about it? What didn't appeal to you? You know, I know there was a couple of things, but uh, the only thing that's coming to mind right now is that everybody had like a squishy face that I didn't like. (laughs) <laughs> okay fair enough well in that case Dishonored 2 is probably not going to do a whole lot to change your mind because the, the character design and art is certainly uh, pretty much the same as what I actually love the art in Dishonored but I do too really? I, I actually uh, I, I do like it. it it's very unique um, but I, I think it works like I enjoy it I don't know I mean like the world design was good I remember thinking the, the places look cool it was just I don't know. Everybody kind of looked like a Disney character, except they had too much, too much rendering, or too uh, realistic. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get what you mean. They have like this. Like there was a guy who had like a teapot head, and it, it was scary. <laughs> I was frightened. Um, and I like I like the technology in the world. I like how everything's powered by like whale oil and has like, I don't know <laughs> if I'd say steampunk, but it. I guess maybe a tiny bit like it, it has it was the, a bit steampunkish for me yeah uh but it but it's, it's neat um there are it's mostly an unchanged formula for the new game uh if you are like me and you were frustrated by the fact that it really put like kind of a heavy reliance on not killing people and being a nice person uh that's that's still back nothing is well, really... gi- well giving you powers that exclusively murder people horribly uh yeah, it seems like I at least so first of all when you start playing it lets you choose whether you want to be Emily or Corvo and uh you can play through the entire game as either one as far as I can tell. It's not something where it's going to like make me switch after a couple missions or anything like that. Like I'm pretty Is there uh a... Oh, go ahead. Is there a significant difference between them? Yes, uh all their powers are different from what I can tell. Oh. Um, they they both have like a blink ability, but even that is a little different. Corvo's is like a teleport. Emily's mm-hmm. is more like a giant hand that grabs her and like pulls her towards where she's going. Uh, that doesn't sound ominous at all. Emily has some very like uh, kind of evil looking abilities. Like she has a, a particularly dark streak. It seems like um, she has like this shadow form that she can turn into that is very like creature-esque. It's kind of strange. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how else to describe it, but her, her powers definitely slant towards like evil witch kind of stuff. Uh, but 
either way, I decided to do Emily for my first run instead of Corvo. And so I haven't seen how his blink works, but I have a lot of issues so far with uh, how you aim your blink ability. And I guess a lot of it stems from having just played Aragami, where it's very responsive and I can pretty much teleport wherever I like without really any issue or, or failure to aim somewhere. Uh, Dishonored 2 is a lot more vertical, has kind of just more happening in general. And so I understand that it's harder to create a reliable kind of reticle. But I've had a lot of situations where like I know I should able to be be able to like blink to a certain spot, but when I aim at it, it just like doesn't it's always trying to snap to terrain. And for whatever reason, I have a lot of trouble moving it around once I'm aiming. I oftentimes hmm. have to cancel it and then pull it out again and, and do it again. So maybe some of that is just learning the controls better. Uh but I've been I've been a little irritated by that. Uh the the story in the game is you are uh, Emily Caldwin, the the missing girl from the first game, and you are Empress of Dunwall, and uh, it's a very abrupt story. Like it 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 literally probably is like a five minute intro tops. That might even be too much. And you're sitting all happy in your throne room one day on the anniversary of your mother's death, when all of a sudden this Lord Regent appears from the south, and he brings with him a woman who says that she is your older sister and uh, without really like asking any questions or anything, your whole kingdom pretty much just turns on you and is like, Oh, she's, she's queen now. And you're not. So basically it's like, Oh, the evil witch queen has an older sister. Fuck it. Let's go with that. Yeah, pretty much like it, it, it pretty much uh, is just like everyone turns on you on the drop of a hat. And it's like, okay, here we go. Uh, you you kind of like try to fight her off in the beginning, and and if you choose Emily, then Corvo gets uh like frozen, and I'm sure if you choose Corvo, then Emily gets frozen. I I imagine that's that's probably how it works. It still is kind of impressive to me that they've gone through and replaced like pretty much all the dialogue in the game with two possibilities, cool. and that includes adverbs and things like that. Like they're they're not able to. Uh, use gender, you know, uh, phrasing the same way. So they had to be a little more careful with how they wrote it. Uh, having said that, I think the game has some very nice writing in it. There's a lot of text logs for you to pick up that you can read, and they're very well written. Like, they all have, um, you know, good, strong kind of uh, tone, and they have a style that makes it feel like Carnaca, uh, which is where you spend most of the game instead of Dunwall. It, it makes it feel like a very real place. And it feels like people who live there are actually writing these letters. And that's why it kind of is so strange to me that this game has what I would describe as probably some of the worst voice acting that I've ever heard in a game for like a long time, especially of this caliber. Like this is a, a pretty top tier AAA game. This game stars Rosario Dawson, Sam Rockwell and Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones. Really? Why do they sound is, is so that caliber? Fucking shitty. <laughs> Why are they? I know they're like TV actors and movie actors, uh, so maybe that's why they don't know how to. And actually, I don't know if the characters I have problems with are those three, um, but like Corvo sounds awful. He's so flat. It it basically sounds like everybody in this uh, game was. 
I, I mentioned this earlier, but it kind of gives a vibe like maybe they only had the recording studio for like 45 minutes and they had to just get everybody in and get them out because everyone like rushes through their lines. There's no inflection. Uh, they, they just like go through it as quickly as I can. And I played some of it for you guys. And it sounds like you hear what I hear at least a little bit, right? It sounds like a PS2 game, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's just weird. I feel like this, and I don't remember, I, maybe you can tell me, Lucio, I don't really remember having an issue with the voice acting in the first one. Uh, no, it was all right. But this one... Like, seems, it wasn't superb or anything, but it was okay. Some of it might be the speed at which our exposition gets handed out. So, like, the part of the story is there's this character called the Crown Killer, and uh, the Crown Killer has been going around and assassinating your enemies and making you look basically like you're guilty of doing something like that. And um, you kind of think like this is going to be this big mystery for like the whole game and uh, it's going to be like your main adversary or something. And in the first mission, you find the crown killer and like, Ooh, and like, man, that was easy. And like, take care yeah. of it. You handle it. Fucking we're done. Bring out the beers. So it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> weird. I feel like maybe that's something that uh, should have gone on long. And same with just like the intro. Like you're literally just sitting in your throne room, and the the queen walks in. She's like, "I'm taking over now." And like you've barely even gotten a sense of the fact that you're queen. <laughs> and so it doesn't even really feel like you're losing anything. You've only been sitting in your chair for ten seconds before you're hoisted out of it. It's just kind of hmm. weird. It's it's a little strange. You don't even get to, like, judge a person. No, and I'm not saying that I needed that, but... I do. That's yeah, yeah. part of Inquisition, and I think every game should have it. Actually, sure. Let's just say that. I, I say yes. I say Man, yes. If I could send that. a bunch of people to death, I would definitely play Dishonored. <laughs> Squishy faces and all. Uh, I definitely think that if you uh, didn't like the first one, you're not going to like this one. I don't. I can't imagine what is here to possibly change your mind. In fact, some of the things that we talked about... Uh, regarding stealth and like not being able to kill people, like like they actually double down on a lot of that stuff, and so you you definitely aren't gonna aren't gonna be crazy about it. What a curious thing to hold on to because I don't recall anyone being happy about that. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I decided to do a non lethal run through, and I just had to, uh, I just on. had to restart a save because. So you get this ability. It's new to Dishonored 2, I think. I think. I don't remember. Uh, and it's called Domino. And Domino basically lets you connect two enemies, and then whatever happens to one will happen to the other. No, that wasn't in the first one. Was it in the first one? I couldn't remember. No. Oh, okay. no, it wasn't. All right. So uh, you connect two. You run up behind one of them. You choke him out, and the other one will fall unconscious as well. Uh, and this this. Uh, carries into physical injuries as well. So you cut off his leg and stab him through the throat and the other guy's leg's going to fly off. And uh, it's pretty neat. Like, this game, much like the original, is a ton of fun to murder people in. And Which is why it's so fucking frustrating when they're like, no, yeah, you can't. It's, it's like, um, like, I'm fine with... If that's a decision that you want to make in your game and have people play non-lethal, like, I'm fine with that. But... Don't make it so goddamn cool to kill people. <laughs> I mean, if it would be at least like Deus Ex, where it's kind of a choice. Like, I play Deus Ex non-lethally, but that's like a personal choice, right? That's a challenge that I like to put on myself. Sure. Um, but Deus Ex doesn't really 
care too much if you're murdering everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, and in fact, like we discussed with Mankind Divided, sometimes it accuses you of murdering people when you didn't. Even though, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, that's cool with me. I mean, if, if I want to, like, grab a, an assault rifle and go nuts, then you can do it. it I mean, I don't understand why this sonar just doesn't do that. Yeah, it'd be nice if they just let it go and like let you still have the good ending. But now it's it's higher low chaos and that will change, you know, how armed people are. And it makes sense from a difficulty perspective because it's a lot easier to go through this game murdering everyone than it is going through it being nice to everyone. In fact, right before the podcast, I got to this part where there was a rune that I really wanted to get to. Uh so runes mm-hmm. let you upgrade your powers and they're scattered throughout the maps which is, I believe, the way it works in the first one. Um, and this one is, like, really cleverly placed right in the middle of the room where there's, like, four guys. And if I was on a lethal run, it would be so easy. I have a grenade. I just toss it in there. Three of them blow up. The other guy wanders around wondering what happened. I sneak up behind him, knife him in the back. You know, real simple. Yeah. But because I'm doing non-lethal, this has been, like, a 20-minute puzzle to figure out how to kill all of these people or not kill, but like knock them out so that I can get this rune. And I don't want to leave without it. And I finally figured yeah, it yeah. out. I finally got it to work. Like I pulled it off and uh, I grabbed the rune and I left. And on my way out, I uh, took this. Um, I took two guards and I put domino on them and I ran up to one of them and choked him and knocked him out. But the other guy just happened to be standing too close to a cliff when he got knocked out. And so he just tumbled over the side. And God damn it. My hope was that that wouldn't count as a death because it's not really my fault. Like, I guess it pretty much is. Yeah, I mean, you you killed that guy. Well, anyway, it was only like five minutes from when I solved that, that puzzle with the rune. And so I finished the level and it, I saw that it tallied a death. So I loaded back to do the room again. And now I can't pull it off the way I did before. it's not working (laughs) so i can't figure out what to do or how to do it best but anyway it's that kind of stuff and i'm to be to be fair like i'm having a lot of fun playing it so far uh especially for a game with an embarrassingly badly told story like it's sad how awful it is the first one didn't really have a good story either no, no, it's mostly an interesting world, but... Um, it wasn't like, oh, you go to that wall. Well, the Empress is dead. You must have killed her. Yeah. Now you're in prison and we're burning your face. Okay. <laughs> I just I just <laughs> don't remember the dialogue ever being this bad, but it, it's it's really quite awful. It was, it was voice actor okay. It wasn't like, it never like... Yeah. It didn't sound out. It didn't sound out in either bad or good. Yeah. It was just, it was okay. It was adequate. And like I said, there's I, there's yeah. big actors in this, and everyone sounds like this. So my thought is that maybe the director did something and like wanted performances a certain way. I can't imagine why yeah. you would ask for this, but like everyone's doing the same things wrong. So I don't know. If you guys wrap it up by five, we can all go to TGI Fridays. Where is Arcane Studios based? They're not uh, U.S. based. They're like from. Uh, France, yeah, Lion France. So fucking Frenchies. Maybe that's just what happens when you're directed by like someone who doesn't speak English natively or something. I don't. They're probably trying to fit all the uh, recording time into their 35 hour work week. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened here. But either way, uh, Dishonored 2, good game. I would check it out if you liked the first one. I would steer completely clear of it if you didn't. And uh, we actually have a copy to give away this week because that's what people voted for. Hold on, I, I posted an image in the Skype chat. I, of, a, of a teapot-shaped man. Yep, that's what everybody looks like in this game to me. <laughs> I see Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I definitely see it, for sure. It's a very cartoony style. It kind of looks like... Because it looks kind of like a cartoon but somebody did like an oil on canvas painting off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, somebody went into like all of the horrible and then they did like a painting on like that cartoon. So it looks cartoony, but it looks like it's like artsy cartoony. I don't know how to explain it. I, I totally get what both of you mean. Um, but I think it's fine, ultimately. Like people I look, actually like it. People look goofy sometimes, for sure. Especially when you die, you get a really good like close up of them like thrusting a sword into your chest <laughs> and like they're right there with their face in yours. Oh, that's another thing with the with the uh, acting in this uh, game, which is voices. They don't really seem to have been concerned whether or not voices synced up at all. Uh, and some characters' mouths don't even move when they talk. Like it, it feels really lazy on that front. Mm. I don't know if that's just bugs that I'm running into, or if they really just like didn't give a shit. But uh, it it oftentimes gives off like a Nintendo 64 vibe where it's just a stationary head talking. It's kind of like Mafia 3 where like they're just standing there. Sort of, yeah. Anyway, um, let's give this uh, code away. You guys know how this works by now. This is a Steam key. We're going to give away the last five digits of it. And uh, you can you can redeem these when we release the key on Thursday. I actually also have a copy of Dishonored... Um, the original, uh, the the PS4 remaster. So maybe we'll give that out on Thursday as well. Um, but the code for this one is W, like I I don't know, guys. Wombat. Wombat. That's funny, right? I don't know. It's a funny word. Uh, a <laughs> is in anarchy, which is good too. Uh, eight, like John and Kate plus eight. He had eight babies. And look at him now. Didn't uh, he leave her? <laughs> what? Didn't he leave her? I think so, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have eight babies. It just means he doesn't right, get to right. see him regularly. Uh, N, like the last word in John, last letter in John, and Kate plus eight. I'm just going to think about that for the rest of the night. Why? And E is in eight, <laughs> like John and Kate plus eight. <laughs> So that's W-A-8-N-E. I hope that you are the lucky winner. Um, I wonder if just like one guy gets all of these. I don't know. Barker? I'm curious. Our uh, our number five fan was trying to get Civ last week, and he got on it pretty quickly and still didn't get it. So Still didn't get it, huh? Yeah, people are, hmm. people well, are snatching those keys up. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, maybe this is his chance. Well, no, not for not for a number five fan. I, no, mean, I guess he's not fast enough. Here's a tip. Here's a helpful tip, which is turn on uh, notifications so that you get a little thing when we tweet. Because we don't tweet very often. It's not going to be distracting. Just unfollow everyone who isn't us. Well, I guess you could That's do that, true. too. Just, just get the and thing. And turn on notifications. But, yeah, yeah. No, you can do this. I believe in you. Uh, if you do get it, let us know on Twitter. Tweet at us. Well, it's, it's, nice to, it's nice to know who gets them. Yeah. Yeah, sons of bitches. It may What's say wrong thank with you, you, people? you ingrateful shitheads. <laughs> In fact, you don't get a key. 
want to keep it. Yeah, forget it. Just forget the whole thing. Yeah. Nobody gets I'm going to play the game and be bored instead of you. I gave everybody a choice cuz uh, by the way, so if you if you uh, want to have some say in what we give away next week, hop on to our Twitter after we give away the key, even if you don't win, and there'll be a little poll there cuz Dishonored 2 only two people voted for it, but that was enough to make it the winner. So uh, it would not be hard to change this to being something that you want. And I gave you guys um, the option of Watch Dogs 2, and I can't believe no one picked it. Both, unlike you did last Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, right? Stop sitting out on elections already, for Christ's sake. Get in there and then do something. Now's your chance to participate in one that matters. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which game? All right. Um... I think that probably does it for us. I know we talked about Overwatch, but we're already like over on time by a bit, and uh, we already discussed Sombra last week, so I'm not I'm not exactly dying to get it out there. Me neither. So, uh, hey, if you enjoyed our podcast this week, be sure to go to our website, enemieslime.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Android. You got to see what happens to Jay next week. What's going to be the thrilling conclusion? It's so exciting. What's going to happen to us? What's we seem to be in a lot of us? danger. Well, Lucio's already I'm a, dead. I'm already dead. Yeah, I died yeah, twice. Well, I mean, you know what happened to him. He died no matter what. Uh, but um, go to our Patreon and give us money. Yeah, go to our Patreon yeah. and give us money. I'm actually just about to put up our first like set of pre-shows that we do. So uh, that'll be fun. And um, I know we give you guys gold here on the podcast. Oh, but see, on the pre-show, we so have good. real gold. So good. That's where the real fun is. Yeah. Uh, we say really racist things. You should go follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at The Enemy Slime on both. We know that's what you like. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look and see if the most popular podcast is the most racist one. Hmm. We'll have to we'll yeah, have let to me know about that. Do some digging there. Uh, but I think with that, we are out. We are.